Welcome to Delta MV's Healthcare Insight Bites. Insights to shape the future of your business. I'm Neil McKay, your host. I work with Delta MV to bring you valuable information about healthcare marketing. I'm talking to Nick Leach, the CEO of On Purpose Solutions, who work with businesses to achieve outstanding results. He is a passionate leader who has 20 years experience across Australia, New Zealand, Asia, Japan, and China. He is the author of the book, Leading on Purpose, the guide to creating a purpose-driven culture. In part one, Nick shared with you how purpose is the essential ingredient to get your employees excited, ambitious, and passionate about achieving their goals. Coming up in part two, We'll talk about how to implement these ideas, the challenges, and how they apply to the pharmaceutical industry and other business areas such as finance and FMCG. A lot of companies have a purpose statement on the wall, but when you go and actually look at what they do every day, it's about hitting quarterly targets. You break down the leading on purpose process into three steps. Can you talk us through how you see these steps working together? The three steps are really about mindset. A purpose-driven organization is moving away from that real risk focus to being an opportunities focused. If you're purpose-driven, you've got less to worry about because your purpose will set you up for success. You stress the importance in the book of dumb goals over smart goals. I don't know anybody who gets excited about a smart goal. You've had the chance to work with Delta MV on a range of pharmaceutical projects using behavioral science. How do you see this fitting in with leading on purpose? What was your purpose then for, for writing this book after years working in the pharmaceutical industry? So two key reasons really. Firstly, I'd seen how a purpose-driven organization is really transformational and how amazing it can be. So I wanted to tell more people about it. And the second reason was when I was trying to do this, there was there was not many books on how to do this. There was a lot of books on why purpose is important, but no one tells you the how. So I wanted to build a book for leaders who are wanting to do this to sort of help them on their journey to be able to do it and not make the mistakes that I did on the way through. Yeah, that's perfect, right? You've got to share, share your, your mistakes so other people don't have to. Absolutely. So in a nutshell then, what was the key idea that you wanted to share with this book? The key really is about making sure there's that connection from purpose to strategy. That's how we create a purpose-driven organization. So as we talked about, you know, a lot of companies have a purpose statement on the wall, but when you go and actually look at what they do every day, it's about hitting quarterly targets. There's no real emphasis on actually aiming to achieve that purpose. Um, so the key is to create the, the link from purpose to strategy to execution. And that's really what I talk about in the book, how to do that, how to build your purpose, and then how to, how to make sure that it implements throughout the, throughout the organization and becomes really purpose-driven. So obviously then before you wrote the book, you had achieved some amazing results from implementing this strategy. So can you share some examples of how this purpose-driven approach had a real world impact. Yeah, so I think we talked about a little bit about that earlier as well as, you know, if you looked at the patient program that we created, that was really driven on wellness, which wasn't, you know, the traditional thing for a pharmaceutical company to do. Most people were focused on persistence and compliance, which are, you know, 
the boring things rather than actually how you help people to get well. But it, it really became influenced all the strategies and things we did. And, you know, I would say, you know, we were working with Pharmac, the pharmaceutical reimbursement agency in New Zealand, who some will say is probably the toughest, one of the toughest agencies in the world for getting medications funded. But one of the things I recognized is that their goals were the same as ours. It was about helping people get well. So once you realize your, you know, your goals are the same, but you're coming from different sides of the table, it makes the discussion a lot easier. And we were able to get things funded that no other company was able to. And it was because we had that sort of real approach with them. We didn't see them as a, as a challenge or we understood that they came with a with their own challenges and we had our challenges we had to meet and what our goal was to sit down and try to work out a place where we could, you know, both both parties could achieve what they needed to. And that was really, really driven from that purpose. And, you know, I think I can tell you from people who now work with Pharmac who were on my team, you know, Pharmac really did understand or like to work with us because they knew they could trust what we said and we were just different to deal with because of their, our purpose. Fantastic. Yeah. And then I, that would be a really good real world, world impact. It was quite, you know, different because you, you both went in there and talked about the ultimate goal of, you know, these are the patients we could help. This is the impact we could have. You know, where do we need to get to, to make it work for you guys? And, and you know, it, it really meant that you became almost a team together working with your greatest stakeholders. So for us, it was our head offices and for them, it was their board. We were working together to work out how we could you know, align with everybody and, and get the goal, the, the ultimate goal of helping patients get well. Which what a goal to achieve, right? That, that's ultimately what, we, what mm. we all want. Now, in the book, you break down the leading on purpose process into three steps. Can you talk us through how you see these steps working together? Yeah, so it starts firstly with a, a bit of getting the mindset right before you build a purpose statement. So the three, the three steps are really about mindset creating the right purpose, and then unleashing the power of your teams to execute to that. If you think about the first one, mindset, I don't know if you guys have done or you've done that game where, you know, people tell you to look around the room at all the red things and then close your eyes and then they ask you, tell me all the black things and you go, well, didn't see anything because I wasn't looking. This is the same in organizations that most organizations today, uh, their focus is on finding all the things that you're doing wrong how many times you've got lots of lawyers generally telling you how many times you can go to jail and nobody's looking for the opportunities. Everybody's looking for the risks. And so one of the mindset shifts that I see that we need to drive with a purpose-driven organization is moving away from that real risk focus to being an opportunities focus. So if you're not looking for opportunities, you won't see them. If you're looking for risks, you'll find them all. So you need to sort of reshape your mindset around around that. And the key for me is that if you're purpose driven, you've got less to worry about because your purpose will set you up for success and save you from what likely will be the risks that you're thinking about historically without having a purpose. If your only goal is to make a profit, then you need all the lawyers in the world. If your goal is to, to have an unstoppable drive to restore people's lives, you don't need as many lawyers. So that's the key for mindset. The second piece is around having the right purpose. And so we break that into two, two parts. Firstly, it's about what, what's the ultimate ambition of your customers? 
that you align to. So what is the ultimate thing you're trying to do together? And then you link that with what makes your organization or you, you proud of what you do. So in our situation of an unstoppable drive to restore people's lives, restoring life was the goal that was clear with all our stakeholders. And then the unstoppable drive was how we were as a team. We were very proud about the fact we could deliver and execute things that nobody else could. So it was those two combinations of things that helps you to create the right purpose. And then the key then is unleashing the power of your teams. And I talk about this as high-performing teams around making sure there's a great link from... So one of the things we're all used to talking about is smart goals. Everybody knows this, but you stress the importance in the book of dumb goals, D-U-M-B over smart goals. So what do you mean by this? I don't know anybody who gets excited about a smart goal. You know, it's time bound, it's measurable. You know, what you basically are doing with a smart goal is writing something you know you can achieve already. And you're writing that and you generally put that away in a cupboard. And then when it comes to measuring it, you pull it out again and hope you've done it. Um, <laughs> it sounds like when I used to set smart goals, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dumb goals is kind of like the opposite of that. It's like the, the it's an acronym for, so the first piece there, obviously D, is to make a dream-driven goal. So I really worked with teams to sort of say, what would be in three to four years time, what would be your dream to have achieved as a team? What is it that you really want to do? Don't worry about the how right now. That's the point of a team is to work out the how. Our goal first is to work out what the dream is that we're trying to do. Um, and then the U is for uplifting. And that's kind of about making sure it's pretty straight obvious, but your dream shouldn't be to destroy the competition. <laughs> that's not an uplifting <laughs> thing. It would probably be more about, you know, ultimately seeing that no... Nobody with a certain disease would, you know, never, you know, could always access the right medications or whatever. The methods then is the M and that's kind of, this is where dumb goals really has power because a dream on its own is irrelevant, right? So we can all write dreams on the wall or, or dreams on PowerPoint slides, but unless you're going to do something about it, it's going to remain a dream. And the method is about saying, so we don't know how right now, but what are we going to start doing to work that out? So what are the things we're going to do next to try to uncover how we go about achieving this stream? So there's some ways around methods that we do to do that. And then the B's around behaviors is around sort of really making sure that we stay focused on the dumb goal as we go forward as, as a team. And so, like I say, when I work with high-performing teams, the key for them is to have a dumb goal that they're working towards achieving. So the group of people are aligned around a three to four year strategy they're trying to do to deliver what ultimately inspires them every day to come to work, which is ultimately linked to the purpose of the organization. And when you've implemented these these strategies, what has been the general reaction from the people that you're you're talking to? So the first when they first start this, they're unclear. So they go, they're a bit scared to write the dream. So we have to create a right, the right environment for people to really get them, get into the right mindset to actually, you know, start to write that dream. And then, then they get scared about going, now we have to work out next week how to do it. And it's kind of one of the things I talk about is making sure there's not the pressure to, this isn't something that you come back in two weeks time and you've solved. This is going to take time to happen and it's for the team to do together. So 
a lot of these solutions won't get found for maybe a year, but there'll be a lot of work that's gone on through meth through the methods process of talking to the different stakeholders, understanding different reasons why the dream hasn't happened already. There's a lot of different things that will come into play that will help you to uncover the way you'll get to achieving that dream. This is why I asked that question because, and you mentioned it in the book, you know, people are resistant to change. It's almost just a human trait. So overcoming that, I would imagine, would be one of the biggest things in the beginning. But I can see once you get to achieve that, do people get excited? Because just talking about these dreams, like it's such a difference from smart goals to dumb goals and talking about dreams and uplifting. Do you then find that people get, and I imagine the answer to this is yes, but do you then find that people get more excited? How do you see the difference when people come into work with this more of a purpose-driven culture? Yeah, so the the key, and I talk about this in the book, is leaders can't when. And one of the things that I say to actually a lot of teams that are doing their dumb goals is I say, don't tell your bosses because you, the last thing you need is the pressure of somebody next month saying, so have you, have you solved it yet? Have you solved it yet? Have you solved it yet? Because one of the things, one of the biggest ingredients is, which is underrated in organizations is the amount of the ability of time for people to think. And we need to give teams time to work together, to come up with ideas, test them, and do things. So we, while we want people to have the dream-driven goals, we've got to also give them the space to be able to go and execute to them without giving them the pressure of by next week, you have to have it solved. Because if you do, then no one's going to write the dream because they're all going to go, no, oh shit, by next week, I need to have the answer. Then it's not going to work. So you need to give people that space to be able to, to deliver to that. Now, you've had the chance to work with Delta MV on a range of pharmaceutical projects using behavioral science. How do you see this fitting in with leading on purpose? For us, you know, working with Neil and the team has been, you know, quite amazing because I think a lot of research that you've conducted in the past, you know, people go out with a hypothesis of whatever's going on and then they sort of go and test it and they come back with sort of the answers where sometimes with, especially in the healthcare sector, there's generally a lot more complexity to it than just, a, you know, a standard sort of survey type search type project. And one of the things that Delta MV really do is they really get to the heart of what's going on or the challenge that is being faced. And, and it's not necessarily about, you know, testing a hypothesis. It's about understanding what's actually going on. And from that understanding, it really you know, allows teams when you get the results from Delta and B to really work on, Delta and B aren't going to give you the solution. They're going to probably help you define better what the challenges that you're needing to solve. And then you can work to solve, you know, the challenge better. I think it was Einstein that said, if you had, if he had an hour, he'd spend 55 minutes on the question and five minutes on the solution. I think there's a piece in there around Delta and B really driving to articulate better and understanding better the challenge and what people really think of that challenge from an external perspective, which then really helps an organization to, you know, be able to find solutions to, to help that. Yeah. So you can really see the massive connection there between that kind of purpose-driven value-driven culture and why that, that, that you've worked so well and why that connects so well with the leading on purpose. We've obviously talked a lot about the, the pharmaceutical industry, but 
What do you see as an application in other business areas like financial services or FMCG, for example? You know, I think I, I write this in the book that if you go to back to the beginning of any successful business, there's generally one passionate person with a vision, which is really a purpose for why they exist and why they want to be different to whatever else is out there that's similar. So purpose-driven can be work for any type of organization. And I, you know, I, you know, a lot of people would say Apple used to be a purpose-driven organization when, you know, Steve Jobs was there. It was, it was his desire to build what he believed was the best, the best machines out there. And, you know, that inspired people. And there's lots of different um, organizations which are, are purpose-driven that aren't just pharmaceuticals, but you know, that's just, that's the land I, I fell into. So <laughs> that's where, where I started. And yeah, you can see it. I can't think of anything where it wouldn't be applicable to no matter what the industry. And I think that what's really inspirational about this is instead of, again, we've talked about instead of finding numbers on spreadsheets and thinking about targets and goals, what is your purpose? And, and you mentioned Steve Jobs, and I think that's a, that's a great example as well. So anyone who is listening to this, no matter what industry you're in, I believe can be applied to any industry at all. So for a, a business leader listening to this podcast, how can they get started on this process? Well, the, the obvious thing is to buy my book and then <laughs> um, give me a call. No, I think it's, it, it's not, like I say, it's not massively hard, but I think there's a few key steps that you have to do that will really make you set you up to success that we've talked about on this podcast, in fact, but you know, the key is making sure that you sit down and understand what the purpose is of why you exist and really why you want to be there and what your difference is. And, you know, for me, it's those linking those two things together. What's what's the ambition you have for your customer and what is it that makes your organization unique? It's those two things together, which will generally build a, a fantastic purpose statement, which, uh, you know, people can get behind. And make sure that you, if you are listening, go into the notes of this podcast. We'll have a link there to your book as well and so where people can buy that as well and how they can give you a call. So, so make sure you get in touch. But all of this, right, it sounds great in theory. Can you give us some of, what are some of the practical challenges that you think a business leader would face in trying to get this up off the ground? And one of the, I guess the, some of the challenges, depending on how the organization is at the time, so, you know, if the leadership team isn't well connected or aligned with the rest of the organization, getting a purpose-driven culture to start will be tough because the the teams aren't going to believe the leaders. The other challenge that I, I see, and I write about this in the book, is that people think that purpose-driven is the opposite of being, you know, achieving profits. And that's far from the case. I can tell you, you'll be more innovative, you'll have higher employee engagement, You'll, you'll sell more, you'll be highly differentiated than your competitors, and you'll be far more successful than you were when you're chasing numbers. So for me, the key there is, is making sure that there's not that, that this isn't a trade-off between profit and purpose. They go together. And I can just imagine that would be the biggest, you know, block in someone's head immediately is thinking, no, we can't do this. I tell you, another great example actually is, you know, and I've experienced this a lot where, and this is the challenge with new ideas. When people have got great ideas and they, and you've got a, a, a organization, which is, you know, Uber on compliance. One of the challenges that you face is that the, 
that prison time for something is very clear and determined by your risk people, but the opportunity is very unclear. So people don't know how well an idea, what that idea could deliver, but the risk is seems to be very well defined. And that's where there's a, you know, you get that misalignment between risk and reward that really breaks down organizations where, you know, I know many people have, and you probably experienced them too, who've come up with great ideas, not been able to implement them. So then they've just given up and they just go to about doing the day to day and, you know, moving forward. And, you know, the great companies and the ones that do very well are the ones, you know, who will step out and have new ideas and go and execute to them. So you've got, you've got to give people that opportunity. Um, and, I, you know, I talk about this in the book also is businesses in the gray. There's nothing black and white anymore. 99% of the things people want to do is gray. And this is where your purpose needs to be your guidance of being, if, if in our case, all we were trying to do was help people restore lives, how could we go wrong? No one's going to put you in prison for even if you made it, if, if, even if someone made a mistake, which was seen to be very wrong, if the ultimate intention of what they were doing was to help restore people's lives. You know, you, you can probably get away with a lot more things. Do you know what I mean? It's it's. But if if that whole intention was just about making profit, then put the person in jail. That's what will happen. So there's a difference, and this is where intention, purpose drives intention, and I think that's a really key piece as well as really driving to make sure that if your intentions for everything you do are honourable, then you've got very little chance or very little need for lawyers. <laughs> Which everyone apart from lawyers can agree with, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so, so much, Nick. This, for me, has been massively inspirational. Lots of great tips. I hope people that are listening, read the book, get in touch, get some good ideas from this. We'll put the links in the show notes. Please go on there, give a click. And make sure that if you are listening to this, keep listening to the Healthcare Insight Bites. Nick, thank you so much for this. It has been really inspirational. And there's a couple of times it's given me a little pep in my step. And I'm like, right, this is fantastic. So I hope anyone listening feels the same as well. As I said, we're going to have the links in the show notes. So go over there, click the links. We'll be able, you'll be able to buy Nick's book as well. Um, go to his LinkedIn as well. well. We'll put the link in there for that as well. Also, thank you very much. You can win one of five free books. There will be a link to the Delta MV website. You can complete the quiz there and the first five people to get the right answers will win one of those books. So Nick, thank you so, so much. And I hope you guys have enjoyed another episode of Healthcare Insight Bites by Delta MV. Make sure you tune in for more episodes. Nick, thank you very much. Thanks, Neil.